0: Welcome to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons, a podcast which examines tenets of the Christian faith in a systematic way. Dr. Ammons serves as a local church pastor and professor of theology in the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels, bringing years of experience into the theological arena. Now, here's Dr. Ammons. How do we know which books belong in the Bible? which books do not hi I'm dr. Greg Ammons welcome to truth 101 in this 600 series we have been looking at the authority of Scripture the truthfulness of Scripture in the last episode we looked at how we got the Old Testament and in this episode we're going to look at how we got the 27 books of the New Testament how did we come to know that these are the books God wanted to be in the New Testament I think the best way to approach it in this episode is to answer seven questions about the New Testament and so let's look at these seven questions and see exactly how did we get the New Testament canon and how it became known as our authoritative scripture as we saw in the last episode the word Canon C A N O N is a word that means measuring stick or measuring reed it's a way of determining what is authoritative and what is accurate so the New Testament is called the canon the 27 books which we know here's question number one we'll consider today whom did God use to write the New Testament Of course we know God wrote the New Testament but whom did he use to write it well the development of the New Testament canon begins with the writings of the Apostles of Christ, Jesus' Apostles. It should be remembered that the writings of Scripture primarily occur in connection with God's great acts of redemption history. The Old Testament, for example, records and interprets for us the creation of the world, the calling of Abraham, the lives of his descendants, the exodus from Egypt, the wilderness wanderings, the establishment of God's people in the land of Canaan, the monarchy, the exile, return from captivity. All of these great acts of God in history are interpreted for us in God's own words in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament then closes with the expectation of the Messiah's coming in Malachi's chapter, Malachi chapters 3 and 4. So the next stage in redemption history then is the coming of the Messiah that's where the New Testament opens so it's not surprising that no further scripture would be written until this next greatest event in the history of redemption has occurred so that's why the New Testament consists of the writings of the Apostles it's primarily the Apostles who are given the ability by God from the Holy Spirit to recall accurately the words and the deeds of Jesus and to interpret them correctly for all generations. Now those who have the office of Apostle in the early church they are seen to claim an authority equal to that of Old Testament prophets. An authority to speak the words of God, write the words that are God's very own words. Peter encourages his readers to remember in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2, the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Acts chapter 5 tells us that to lie to the apostles was equivalent to lying to the Holy Spirit and lying to God. That's with Acts chapter 5, verses 2, 3, and 4. So the claim to be able to speak words that were the words of God Himself is especially frequent in the writings of also the Apostle Paul. He claims not only that the Holy Spirit has revealed to him what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor, nor what has entered the heart of any man, 1 Corinthians 2.9, but also that when he declares this revelation, Paul speaks it in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. So, the apostles have authority to write the words that are God's words, equal in truth status, and the authority to the words of the Old Testament Scriptures. So, to do this, to record it, interpret it, apply it to the lives of believers, the great truths about the life death and resurrection of Jesus the Apostles then were placed on that high of a plane now because the Apostles by virtue of their apostolic office had the authority to write words of Scripture the authentic written teachings of the Apostles were accepted by the early church as a part of the canon of Scripture so if we accept the arguments for the traditional views of authorship of the New Testament writings, then we have most of the New Testament canon because of direct authorship by the Apostles. That would include Matthew, John, Romans, uh, all the way from Romans to Philemon. that would be Paul, Pauline epistles, James, first and second Peter, first and second, third John, Revelation. These are the books that are written directly by eyewitnesses, apostles, followers of Jesus. So that leaves us five books which were not written by apostles. Mark, Luke, Acts, Hebrews, and Jude. But the details of the historical process by which these five books came to be become to scripture by the early church, that shows us that they were written by close associates of apostles of Jesus who basically spoke their words to them. Uh, Mark had a close association with Peter and uh, Luke, of course, with the Apostle Paul, with Luke-Acts. Jude apparently was accepted by virtue of the author's connection with James uh, and also the fact he was a brother of Jesus. So you see that direct connection between uh, the Apostles or those who knew the Apostles and all the writings of 27 books of the New Testament question number two were there criteria that were used as the New Testament canon was being put together absolutely there were three primary ones in order for a book to be accepted in the New Testament canon it had to be written as I mentioned by an eyewitness of Jesus or a close associate who was an eyewitness of Jesus no hearsay it had to be an eyewitness of Christ Second criteria, the writing had to be accepted in the early church. Now that was important, that the early church accepted as authoritative and canonical the writings of the early period. For example, well, I'll talk later about the Gospel of Thomas, but which is a spurious uh, gospel that was written during that time. It, it, if the Gospel of Thomas or another gospel or another writing was, a book was written, Letter was written, epistle was written. And the early church read it and said, Ah, we were there. That, that is not what happened. That is not what Jesus taught or not what Jesus did. They would immediately discard it. So the fact that it was accepted as authoritative by the early church was a vital criteria. So you have eyewitnesses of Christ accepted in the early church, and the third criteria was. That any of the teachings in the book in the letter did not contradict any teaching Jesus ever taught when he was there with them so some of the books that were written during that time frame they would contradict exactly what Jesus had said so they knew the early church knew for this book to be authoritative it would not contradict anything that Jesus taught that they heard that they, that they saw So, that brings us to the heart of the question of canonicity. For a book to belong in the canon, it is absolutely necessary that the book have divine authorship. If the words of the book are God's words through human authors, and if the early church, under the direction of the apostles, preserved the book as part of Scripture, then that book belongs in the New Testament canon. But if the words of the book are not God's words, it does not belong in the canon of Scripture. Now, let's go on to question number three. Should we expect any other books to be added to the New Testament? Should we expect any more writings to be added to the canon? Well, I I know that we don't. You know that we don't, and, and I believe the reason we know that is because the opening sentence in Hebrews puts this question in the proper historical perspective, the perspective of the history of redemption. Listen to what Hebrews 1 1 and 2 says Long ago, in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed the heir of all things, and through whom He created the world. So the final revelation was Jesus' coming, and then, of course, the book of Revelation that shows about His second coming and the culmination of the world. Listen to how the Bible ends in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone, John writes, who hears the words of the prophecy of this book If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now you hear people trying to add to Scripture all the time. For example, the Book of Mormon. Uh, is uh, is an attempt to add to Scripture. In the advertisements that Mormons say, Latter-day Saints say, you've read the New Testament, now here is another testament of Jesus Christ. And so they claim the Book of Mormon is to be added to the 27 books of the canonicity of Scripture. Question number four. How do we know that we have the right books in the New Testament canon that we currently possess? How do we know those 27 books are the right ones? Well, I believe this question can be answered in in a couple of different ways. First of all, if we're asking upon what shall we base our confidence in the 27 books? I believe the answer ultimately lies that our confidence is based on the faithfulness of God. We know God loves his people. It is supremely important. God's people have God's own words. For they are our life according to Matthew 4.4 4 and Deuteronomy 32.47. They're more precious, more important to us than anything else in the world. God's words. We also know that our God our Father is in control of all history. He is not the kind of Father who will trick us or fail to be faithful to us or keep us from something that we absolutely need. So why? Why would God give us something that, is, that fails to be His Word, that has been preserved through the years, that fools us into something else? I think the severity of the punishment Revelation 22, 18 and 19 that I read just a moment ago, that come to those who add or take away from God's Word, I believe the severity of that punishment also confirms the importance for God's people of having a correct Scripture. There can be no greater punishment than these, for they are the punishments of eternal judgment. So that shows God Himself places supreme value on having a correct collection of God-breathed writings. No more, no less. So in the light of this fact, could it be right for us to believe that God our Father who controls all of history would allow all of His church for 2,000 years to be deprived of something He Himself values so highly and that is necessary for our spiritual life? Absolutely not. So the preservation and correct assembling of the canon of the New Testament should ultimately be seen, I believe, by believers, not as a part of church history subsequent to God's great central acts of redemption, but I believe is a vital part of the history of redemption itself. Not only did God provide redemption history, He provided a record of it for us to read and and pattern our lives by and know that we are living by the words of God Himself just as God was at work in creation just as God was at work in calling the people of Israel just as God was in in, at work in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus just as he was at work in the early writings of the Apostles God too was in the preservation and assembling together of the books of Scripture so ultimately we can base our confidence in the present New Testament scriptures on the faithfulness of God but here's a second way I would answer the question as well the question can also be answered by saying we focus on the process by which we become persuaded that the books we have now are the right ones and in this process we have two factors at work the activity activity of the Holy Spirit convincing us as we read scripture for ourselves and the historical data that we have available for our consideration. As we read Scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He works to convince us that the books we're reading are are from God, and they are authoritative, and they are His words to us. You know, it has been the testimony of Christians throughout all ages as they read the Bible the words of scripture speak to our hearts like no other book does day after day year after year christians find the words of the bible are indeed the words of god speaking to them with authority and power and persuasiveness like no other writing like no other book can truly the word of god as hebrew says is living active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow in discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So we have in Scripture the exact writings that God wants us to have. Now, through the ages, uh, there, exist, there existed some, some books that tried to make its way into Scripture and God prevented them from doing so. One of those was the Gospel of Thomas. For a time held by some to belong in the New Testament canon. But then you end up with absurd statements that come from the Gospel of Thomas. And you can see this does not belong in Scripture. For example, in the Gospel of Thomas, Simon Peter was said uh, to, to have said, Let Mary go away from us, for women are not worthy of life jesus said "Lo, i shall lead her so that i make make my, that i may make her a male so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males for every woman who makes herself a male will enter the kingdom of heaven that's ludicrous that is from the gospel of thomas that was supposedly written by thomas and should be included many people said but you see absurd statements like that that contradict what Jesus said, what Jesus taught, the other writings of the apostles, you can see that there's no other book out there like that that belongs in the canonicity of Scripture. Uh, There were other writings. The Shepherd of Hermas, for example, was another another that taught the the necessity of penance for being saved and the possibility of the forgiveness of sins uh, at least once after baptism and the author seems to identify the Holy Spirit with the Son of God before the Incarnation and hold that the Trinity came into existence only after the humanity of Christ and things like that. These are all false doctrines and false teachings. So you look at those other writings and you say, what other book does belong in there? There's really no other, other book for consideration other than the 27 that we have because the others teach such things that are off base and and contradictory of the teachings and the life of Jesus. Question number five. Hypothetically, if another book were discovered that looks authoritative, would it be added to Scripture? For example, let's say that one of Paul's epistles, what if it was discovered and it looked like Paul's epistle? Would it be added to the Bible? And I think the answer is no. I don't see how there's any way we could find something that was not preserved as a part of the canon for 2,000 years that would indicate that it was not among the writings the apostles wanted the church to preserve from the very beginning. Moreover, it must immediately be said that such a hypothetical question is really just that's hypothetical. We're not going to find anything that has been hidden for almost 2,000 years that was not included in the early church or any of the writings. It is exceptionally difficult to imagine what kind of historical data might be discovered that could convincingly demonstrate to us as a whole That that letter was lost for 2,000 years and was genuinely authored by Paul, it's more difficult still to understand how our sovereign God could have faithfully cared for his people but kept that letter from us for 2,000 years and allow us to be deprived of something he intended for us to know. It's just impossible. So, no, absolutely not. I don't think there's any book that could be discovered today that we would need to add to the canonicity of the New Testament the 27 books that we have are the exact ones God had written preserved compiled and placed in our hands today you can know with confidence folks when you open up the 27 books of the New Testament you can know with confidence and certainty those are the ones God had written compiled and authored by his apostles used by his early church and the Holy Spirit preserved for you to have in your hands this very moment. Question number six, are there any books that should not be in Scripture? Are there any of the 27 that really should not be there? No, absolutely not. We can rest our confidence in the fact, again, on the faithfulness of God our Father who would not lead all of his people for nearly 2,000 years to trust his word that it's something that it's not, that there's a book in there that shouldn't be in there. And we find our confidence repeatedly confirmed by historical investigation and by the work of the Holy Spirit enabling us to hear God's voice in a unique way every time we read one of the 27 books of the New Testament canon. Something else I find interesting, a lot of passages or a lot of historical facts that are recorded in the New Testament, critics and scholars have doubted through the years and then all of a sudden there's an archaeological discovery today that's made or in recent years it's made that validates exactly what Scripture teaches. Never been an archaeological evidence or, uh, that, is, that has come forth archaeological discovery that has been confirmed as being authoritative that has contradicted what the New Testament tells us Wow, that's powerful and then the final question number seven are there any missing books books that should have been included in Scripture but were not and once again the answer is absolutely no in all known literature there are no candidates that even come close to Scripture when consideration is given both to their doctrinal consistency with the rest of Scripture and to the type of authority they claim for themselves. Once again God's faithfulness to His people convinces us there is nothing missing from Scripture God thinks you need to know for obeying Him and trusting Him fully. So the canon of Scripture today is exactly what God wanted it to be and will stay that way until Jesus returns. Friends, you can take the 27 books of the New Testament, open them up, read them, and be 100% confident you are reading the words of God and only the words of God that He wants you to know. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you as we've looked at the New Testament canon Join me again next episode as we talk about God's Word in in various forms and how we encounter it. Is the Bible the only way God speaks to us? We'll look at that question in the next episode. See you then. God bless you. You have been listening to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons. We hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on recent sermons by Dr. Ammons, go to www.fbcgarland.org. And join us next time for Truth 101.